travellers, and welcome to You Should Have Been There, podcast 14, with me, Mick Webb. And me, Simon Calder. And uh, we are once again isolated from each other, and indeed the rest of the world. I'm in my bedroom in London SE1, and I guess you're possibly in yours in um, London SW16. You're quite right. And um, I should actually apologise to listeners for um, any uh, slightly iffy quality as a result of uh, us trying to <laughs> record what I think is known in the business as a two-way. Is that right, Simon? I would call it a simulrec personally, but maybe I'm just old fashioned. And uh, uh, we have refined the technology. You'll be delighted to learn, uh, dear listener. And as a result of that, I'm recording my end and I think it will be all right leaving me. But uh, you'll be you'll be the judge of that. <laughs> OK, well, I look forward to the editing as usual. But what are we going to talk about today? Well, uh, we're going to cast our thoughts forward beyond the current global crisis, take a bit of a peek into the future and um, chat about travel after the virus. Yes. Now, Simon, let me ask you something. Will there be any travel? There will certainly be travel. There's travel during the virus. And I think one of the things which um, people imagine is that everything is in lockdown. Um, It's not the case uh, by any means. And I have been obviously keeping keeping tabs on what what is going or um, these days more often than not what is not going. But even during April or at least the first week, you you can look at what British Airways is proposing and it looks quite quaint, kind of a bit 1970s. You can go to Athens four times a week. That used to be three or four times a day. Barcelona almost twice a day and of course Barcelona was uh, very very popular it, it is so so far from what we were and yet it is still continuing these are flights going in and out of uh, Heathrow Terminal 5 on British Airways and so things things will continue to go it's not that we're all going into uh, a complete lockdown we we, we are just going to have to get used for the time being to be in far, far poorer shape in terms of choices for travellers. Forgive me, but are these going now or is this a a proposed timetable for uh, some months ahead? No, this is... is, that's, That's what's going on through April. And it just shows that British Airways, which clearly is is like all other airlines a shadow of its former self the uh yeah, very very um uh ah bullish very excited um airline industry looking forward to the best ever summer well the summer season is beginning um in airline parlance because it happens when the clocks go forward or back or whatever they do uh and it is the worst summer well actually i was going to say in our living memories, which in in our cases go back quite a long way, but I don't. I I think you would need to go back to before the jumbo jet, i.e., before nineteen seventy, to see uh, such such slender pickings in aviation. And this is, of course, um, uh, something we have become so used to: the idea that there's always a flight, and we'll always be able to get a seat, and we'll always be able to go where we want to if we're lucky enough to have a kind of, you know, middling-ish wage. Who on earth 
would be travelling somewhere else at this time uh, when there's every chance, if they're going pretty well anywhere in Europe at the moment, that they will be locked in, locked down, quarantined and um, possibly, uh, you know, will catch the virus somewhere where they would rather not catch it. Oh, well, look, I've, I've come under huge, huge criticism for suggesting that actually air travel isn't a bad thing. What's a bad thing is people behaving irresponsibly when they are travelling by air. There will be enough people who need to get to Gibraltar six times a week because they've got family issues, they've got business that simply won't work won't work without them if if nobody wants to get on the flights then the flights will stop just because it's bad enough the airlines without them flying three quarters empty but we're getting we've got past i would say the repatriation part there's still quite a lot of people stuck in some fairly far-flung parts of the world but we're now on to settling into the temporarily new normal before we get on to the fully new normal at some stage all the restrictions that we're seeing going in will start to relax and unwind and unravel and you're going to get a couple of things clashing you're going to get a huge surge of demand because people who have been cut off from their 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 granny in greece for weeks are going to want to go and see her business travelers who desperately need to go and meet their their counterparts will, will be on board and I think there will also be a certain number of people, possibly not you or I, who will be so desperate to get away that they will almost turn up at Heathrow and get on the first flight anywhere. So this is a new normal. It's unwelcome, of course, but a significant reduction in choice, in opportunity, significant increase in price, which is all of which I foresee, is really nothing compared with the tragedies that have accompanied the coronavirus. Well, quite. And, and let's face it, it is, um, it is still to come over here properly. I mean, we have a, this is just the, uh, the beginning. I have absolutely no doubt at all. But anyway, we're going to look a bit forward, aren't we? So I'm not going to dwell on that. We've looked a bit forward already, but let's look fully forward. No, no, what I meant was, sorry, it was me that was, um, surely things will disappear. Uh, will anybody ever go on a cruise again? Really good question, and they they will. My my family will certainly. They they uh, are looking forward to their next cruise. But of all the many components of the travel industry, that is the one which I think is going to be worst affected. We've seen a whole range of bad publicity. Which even if one of those incidents has happened in the course of a year, the cruise industry would be saying, "Oh, this is just awful." We've we've seen ships being quarantined in particular the diamond princess in tokyo which was there stuck with with people passing coronavirus from one to another so rapidly that it actually became for a time uh, number number two uh, hot spot around the world after china we have seen uh, latterly end of uh, march cruise ships simply not being allowed into ports it, all the diplomats all the companies all Everybody says um, you've got to let um, the Holland-America line Zandam into Rio. And um, ultimately, Rio says, we're not going to. 
And so the, the ship was last heard of sailing north to Fort Lauderdale, where it will no doubt encounter uh, a, a whole range of um, other ships which are just staggering in, having been refused entry. So you you sign up for a cruise. You're an older person. That means you're particularly vulnerable to viruses. And we now know that viruses spread really well on board cruise ships. And furthermore, you have no idea if your voyage is going to begin in Southampton and end in Tenerife or whether you will actually be drifting round in ever decreasing circles. It's a, a horrible, horrible quandary for people. But it also speaks to the kind of the, the insecurities, the anxieties that this whole horrible episode has has um, triggered because people simply don't want you know they, they they don't want to think that their holiday is going to be something which is going to land them stuck uh, completely powerless out of control okay well let's look a bit further ahead because in happier times i.e about uh, how recently was it about Three months ago, I think, two months ago, maybe, we made a podcast called um, Travel in the 2020s, in which we looked ahead, where you looked ahead to a rather splendid decade-long list of of interesting things and great events and uh, wonderful experiences that uh, one would be able to have across the 2020s. And just to get an idea of, of how that has changed, I'd like to play a few clips from that podcast. Ah, oh, how lovely. OK, well... Um... Well, let's start with um, this particular year, 2020. What uh, what can we expect? Divisible by four, therefore, of course, an Olympics year. And we're returning to Tokyo, where, of course, the Olympics are going to be held back end of um, July, beginning of August. Now, I'm pretty confident I will be able to get a cheap air ticket to Tokyo immediately after the opening ceremony, come back before the closing ceremony, and in the meantime, being a, in a city which is en fait, but, uh, and, and obviously lots of events around which I won't have tickets for, and I have no uh, possibility of getting to the um, men's 100 Olympic finals, unless I start training very quickly, um, and it, in, indeed uh, I'll just be enjoying a fairly empty city at a time of, um, of great excitement. 2021, I will be closer to home because we are assured that by next year there will be self-driving buses. Um, they will be shuttling across the fourth road bridge between Edinburgh and the kingdom, as it must be called, of Fife. Um, half a million uh, passengers a year. Um, there is, disappointingly, if you like the idea of a driverless bus, going to be a driver on the bus, but they're kind of there to reassure the passengers and um, uh, comply with uh, various safety laws. Um, and I suppose that's that's a sort of start of a transportation revolution of some sort. OK, so that's in 2021. Yeah, and 2022. Um the tallest building in the world at the moment is the Burj Khalifa on the north side of the uh, Arabian Peninsula in Dubai. By 2022, it should be the Jeddah Tower on the Red Sea coast, so the south side of the Arabian Peninsula, in the big Saudi Arabian city. It's going to be a one kilometre high, although I th I'm expecting the 
the actual sort of high highest one third to be mostly decoration and um, uh, transmitter masts and so on. The observation deck is going to be two thirds of the way to the top. Um, they'll also have the highest hotel in the world. And talking of great new things, India, which has the I think the greatest transport undertaking in the world in the shape of the uh, Indian Railways. Well, what it hasn't had so far is high-speed rail, and it's finally going to get that. The first high-speed line will run north from Mumbai to Ahmedabad. Two hours it will take, uh, speeds of um, getting on for 200 miles an hour, and it will transform railway experience in India. And knowing India, it will also be very good value. Well, there we go. That's what we were looking forward to. Uh, I, is any of that going to go ahead now? Well, I'm I'm still looking forward to uh, Tokyo 2020, which we now know is likely to take place in 2021, but I will be there. Whether we'll see uh, the great technological developments, I, it remains to be seen. I think there's an awful lot of project managers who, much as they despair at what's happening... Um, are secretly thinking, right, uh, we now know what we can blame the fact that, um, whatever it is, Crossrail, driverless buses in Scotland, the Jeddah Tower, we can blame it firmly on coronavirus and nobody will be able to uh, correct us. (laughs) So do you think we should be looking forward to travel in the 2030s for uh, uh, High Speed 2 or Crossrail? Uh, certainly for high speed too. I think they will be um, uh, um, milking the uh, d- delay. I, I think is unfair, but I think there will be um, lots and lots and lots of wriggle room provided for various um, uh, grand projet, grand projet. <laughs> um, we've talked a bit about things that might change. How do you think we might change? Do you think? Yeah, you did refer a bit to this in the in our last uh, podcast we might actually during this holiday from holidays as it were uh, might give us time for reflection on what we really want to get out of travel and might actually um, lead to some changes in 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 attitudes towards it oh yes um we, we can dispense with things such as over tourism at least for some years um, venice paris barcelona dubrovnik uh, will not see the crowds that um, so so terrified them i think in the uh, summer of 2019 but much more importantly i don't know about you but i have become pathetically grateful for any kind of travel experience now that my world has has narrowed to one outing to to exercise so i've been getting to know uh london se1 um in particular the river in particular the way that the london eye changes shape changes um appearance so dramatically at sunset which is where i go when i go out for my um my, my nightly walk and i crave just simple things like going back to paris now forgive me um I had become, and I dare say some listeners may also have been like this, a little bit. I say, like, oh, Paris, yeah, it's great. Yeah, I first went there when I was, well, I don't know about you, when I first went there, I was uh, 15, I think. Um, I've been going there back there, but yeah, I kind of think, oh, I know the place. Now, I can't wait to get back and just 
sit and enjoy and walk and look and marvel and uh, just just feel very very grateful for the the pleasure the privilege of being in this beautiful city. You tell me about your your view from afar of Paris. I thought Paris was a, a wonderful place uh, to go to, and the last time I went uh, was just after Christmas. Uh, and uh, I went, it was between Christmas and, and New Year, uh, and uh, I remember going to the uh, Quai d'Orsay and, uh, and just marvelling at that tremendous museum, such a cracking place in such a beautiful building, the old, uh, the old railway building. Uh, um, but I mean at the moment what I see of Paris uh, but it does bring these memories back uh, is either some devastatingly horrible news report with the Eiffel Tower in the background of uh, how many people have uh, died today in Paris from coronavirus um, or else it's something rather more uplifting uh, like the art program that I saw on BBC4 about uh, Georges Seurat, the the dotty French artist, um, the one who painted in uh, Pointe East in, in dots. Um, and uh, that, that, that was very nice. Um, and uh, I know it was a visit by proxy, but it sort of brought back quite a lot of feelings about Paris, sitting in cafes, drinking what at the time for me when I was young was just an extraordinarily tasty cup of coffee with a thing called a croissant which was just like unbelievably tasty and no one had ever or certainly no one in uh, in South London had ever seen or eaten I, I, I couldn't agree more and and the coffee you see you've you've absolutely gone for it which is that cup of coffee that that sense of the exotic of the enriching and i think we will we will get that back and i think as soon as i'm allowed just to go to paris gosh that would be wonderful of course professionally i should be going off to do 48 hours in wuhan um once once it is all all clear uh but uh i just i just want the simple rewards of travel and maybe we've all made it too too complex in terms of what we want but also too simple in terms of getting there and if we now face impediments we might we might um relish the experience a little bit more and can i just suggest that then that wuhan will join uh chernobyl uh and um uh, various appalling camps uh that have become uh, tourist what do they call it um, disaster tourist attractions or something like that um is that is that is that on the cards would you say uh i don't i don't think so i mean it will be a place that uh, that that people have heard of now but um you know, we we've also heard of changjin um uh, we've heard of uh, chengdu um and not necessarily will everybody rush to those to those places um I it, disaster tourism is actually a, a subject for a future podcast, I would say, um, and a very good one, um, because so much of, of travel is related to disasters past. Um, uh, at the moment, it seems a bit of a disaster present and, and quite possibly future. So, uh, oh, look, I, I think we will just relish new ways of visiting old places. We will enjoy going to the Loire 
and maybe well you and i have cycled along it and we've tried to uh, to kayak through it which i seem to remember ended up with a terrible terrible grounding um but we may decide one day just to uh hop along from one station to another on the train and uh and pop out and drink some of your famous french coffee mick well that will be a lovely idea and i i look forward to it um uh I would like to um, suggest slow travel as well. Um, I, I, I'm suggesting this because this morning I was listening to a, a programme on Radio 4, I expect, in which listeners were phoning in and talking about how they were passing their time in isolation and how much time they were now spending talking to people uh, on their telephones or via their various uh, devices, um, video calls, etc., uh, etc., et whereas previously they had only communicated in tiny uh, SMS bytes, in Twitter paragraphs, and basically everything had been accelerated, and now suddenly there's a chance to and indeed a need to uh, slow all of this down spend a lot more time on it and go into it in more depth and i was just wondering whether actually this was possibly the way that uh, travel might go and that the idea of slow travel along with slow food slow radio slow tv um, and those things might actually uh, become quite an important uh, thing in the future it, it might. Um, I, I think that a lot of people, possibly excluding me, certainly excluding you, are actually quite still quite impatient. Maybe the, the way that we are all experiencing this this terrible outbreak is is because we're impatient. We're always impatient for news. We're always impatient for the latest update and the terrible things that are happening around the world. Um, and so I'm not I'm not sure that we will go for slow travel i just think we will i hope relish the travel we do fast or slow um intense or relaxed i i just hope that we will appreciate it more well this does remind me of uh, a slightly odd thing that happened to me uh, once which was the clash of fast and slow travel uh, and i was very nearly quite a serious victim a significant victim of it um, for reasons which i won't go into now because it's a very long story but i'll just tell you the last bit of it i needed to be uh, in southampton for one of my final exams reasonably early one morning and unfortunately uh, i had spent the previous night hitchhiking back from south end and just as it looked as though uh, my goal was in sight and that i might actually <laughs> make it in time for the exam i got a lift with a fellow um, somewhere around chichester i believe it was who kindly stopped i got in the car off we went he went from first gear into second gear and then he stayed there in second gear. He didn't get above 15 miles an hour. Um, now, I can't tell you how incredibly um, <laughs> stressful this was for someone who needed to be somewhere incredibly urgently. Um, and so I asked him if, he, if there was anything wrong with his car. And he said, no. <laughs> um, and then I, um, I pressed him a bit. And uh, he said that actually um, he didn't believe in um, fast movement. He didn't believe in moving from his locality, that he'd never been 
uh, any further than 10 miles from uh, Chichester, where he worked as a potter. And it's true, he had a smock on. Um, and... <laughs> Anyway, whatever I did, uh, I couldn't persuade him to go any faster. I did explain that my whole future hung on this. And then eventually I had to get out and uh, and get a lift with somebody else, fortunately. Because I think had I stayed in the car, I would almost certainly have not got to my exam on time. Or quite possibly failed my degree and everything would have been different. I, I yes, in, in the beginning of the crisis, um, I actually did some hitchhiking myself and was very, very happy to be picked up by uh, some very keen Israelis who were saying we, we have to fight the darkness. Um, and that uh, that cheered me temporarily, but uh, that was just before the borders came down. And I think just like your hitchhiking to your exam, uh, we have been confronted by this nightmare of not quite being able to get where we need to be. And I think that's going to destabilise a lot of people. So anybody who was kind of thinking of a reason not to travel, I think has found more than enough. And that, of course, is a huge problem. And this is almost going back to where we began. Huge problem for the travel industry that uh, the the appetite has been lost. And uh, who knows when it will be found by, by a lot of people. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I suppose that one way that we can um, keep the flame alive, as it were, is to try and think of ways of uh, replicating, or if not replacing, um, the, uh, the that, that thrill of uh, journeys uh, into the unknown to fascinating places while we are actually locked in and locked down. And maybe that's something we can talk about in our next podcast. I think that sounds a very good idea. And possibly we may be in the same room, which would be a a thrill for me and possibly not for you. Um, Probably we won't be and um, we will continue to refine our technical expertise. But meanwhile, of course, we always welcome heckling and we welcome ideas for future podcasts and we most definitely uh, welcome uh, the idea of of you coming back and and giving us your views on the subjects we have uh, dis- discussed tonight and you can actually leave a uh, an audio message at uh, anchor.fm forward slash you should have been there you should have been there i should have been there you could have been here but we weren't, and that's probably just as well, but we will be soon. Goodbye. And while I'm working that out, I'll say goodbye from me as well, and uh, keep safe. <laughs>